This is episode 333 of the AWS podcast, released on September 22, 2019. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Simon Leisha here with you. Great to have you back. And I'm on the road, but not far away. I'm in Melbourne, but I'm at a convention center with a very friendly, familiar face. Welcome, Mr. Jeff Barr. Simon, great to be here once again. And to be in person. It's a rare treat. Absolutely. And we'll talk about why you're in town shortly, but we thought we'd talk first about the, at the time of recording, the most recent blog post you've got out there, which is a new capability in the Global Accelerator service. Do you want to talk us through why, the why and the what? Sure. So the Global Accelerator itself is a tool that many of our customers use when they're building large-scale global applications, with the idea being that it's it's a single set of IP address endpoints that when traffic reaches those endpoints from anywhere around the world, the Global Accelerator says, where is this coming from? And then routes it to the, the nearest AWS resources to, to process it. And the, the new feature basically says, okay, the, the original IP address of the, of the client that's coming in, that's preserved when it's passed through the Global Accelerator on generally to an application load balancer and from there on to often an EC2 instance for, for actual processing. Because this is this classic challenge of multiple hops to get to, to the processing between the client and the and the server, essentially, if we go back to client-server days. But really what the accelerator is there for is to route the traffic as close as possible to the workload near the customer. So, so if you've got people in Australia, then you might want to route to Sydney region. Whereas if you've got people in India, you want to route to Mumbai. If you've got people in the US, you may pick in the US. And, and the service did that very well. But there's some insight we need into the network packages or, or the, the HTTP headers, I should say, about where the data is coming from, because we make decisions with that, don't we? That's right. And it was actually brought home to me just this morning. We were doing some online shopping. My wife's actually on me on our trip, which we'll talk about in a little mm-hmm. bit. And we were we were searching for some local products. And we, of course, um, did our search and the prices popped up. And we were happy to see the prices were in Australian dollars with no actual extra effort on our yeah. part. And I did actually think back to to the blog post and thinking, okay, this is what the IP preservation feature actually allows is that no matter all the different hops that our request takes between our phone in this case and the actual server on the on the other end, it can say, okay, the, the customer is in Australia. Let's give them content that is appropriate and specific to that location. So I, I, I lived that feature it just, just this morning. Because often the load balancer, when it receives traffic and then forwards it on, will it becomes the origin as far as the receiver is concerned. And so the X forwarded for header is a very important but somewhat unknown capability of HTTP where it actually will embody the origination or the origination IP of the client. And so this is this is preserving that now and really putting that into the, the payload, isn't it? It's a great header and everybody yeah. should know about it and yeah. everybody should love it and respect it, I guess. <laughs> and should use it because then once you've got that information, you've got a, a strong indication of where that IP is based upon geo lookups, et cetera, and any other rules. And, and I think in your blog post, you talked about the fact that if you're going to use this feature, you do need to think about any rules you may have set up around those source IPs. That's right. And in my blog post, I actually showed how you can you can use weights and percentages to, if, if you're already using Global Accelerator and an application load balancer and you do have rules, you probably want to like a lot of things, take it slowly and yeah. incrementally move yourself. And l- luckily, we've got some controls and dials that you can just turn them slowly from zero to 100 in order to, to route traffic over to your yeah. you route, route traffic so that you can, you can make sure that your IP-based logic still works as you would like it to. And one of the nice features of your blog is, is you take us through the process of doing it, screenshots, et cetera, which means you, re- you really, really did it. So how hard was it to do? Once I had all the right parts in place, it was good. Now, one of the fun challenges of working with an unreleased service is often the team will put it together yeah. in 
one AWS region and they'll say, use the console here and use the service here and connect to it from this other place. And so you, you find yourself doing a little bit of extra juggling and setup. And so the, the end result always looks awesome. And the, <laughs> the, the part behind the scenes means that I call it often living in the future because yeah, I, I, I get to have yeah. a service often a week or two before our customers do and I get to see it in the form that the customers will have it. I make a, a little adjustment and be a little bit tolerant to the fact that they're putting all the parts into place and yeah, if it doesn't work yeah. right. I'm like, okay, but that's because it isn't finished. Yeah, it's, it's not baked yet. <laughs> it's pretty cool that that process of baking can often take just a week or two from it's 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 in one region and there's a couple little bits and pieces and maybe the right rules and policies aren't there to here it is, it's finished and it's globally available for our customers to use as they'd like and it's, it's, it's always fun to watch that mm. in action. And, and one of the cool things and I'll, I'll probably share an inside baseball secret here but but often there's a little bit of uh, Jeff Bar pixie dust that gets sprinkled on some of these services because you're not shy to be the advocate for our customers to go back to these teams and say hey this is not how it should be or this needs to be changed and they'll take they take that really seriously that's right and that's perhaps an underappreciated value that myself and the other bloggers bring to the post is that we don't simply take what they give us and write about it yeah. we we are often one of the first customers and given the amount of exposure we've had to different AWS services over the years I I think we're pretty good judges of when something is easy to use or if there's a couple of little issues and challenges. Yeah, yeah. And we love to give that feedback to the team, all, all with the goal, never of criticizing no, the work, all no. with the goal of saying, let's make this as awesome make as possible for our customers. And uh, to go to an actual Amazon leadership principle, there, we have this one called Earn Trust. And what we've done over the many, many years is we've earned the trust of the dev teams that if, if myself or any of the other bloggers says, you know, this is not as awesome as it could be, but if you make these little changes, I think you'll be you'll be in better shape. The, the team will almost always say, well, if, if Jeff can't do this, then maybe nobody else can yeah, either. Yeah. And that's always always interesting to hear because I'm I'm the ultimate generalist and I have to just pretend to be an expert at these things. Yeah, you, a, you don't, get, point you don't get the secret crib sheet. It's like you're, you're doing it like customers would do it. And yeah. I think that ties into another leadership principle, which is insist on the high standards. And so you have to insist on the high standards to say, no, this is, this is not good enough. It needs to be better. But the nice thing is that the service teams also believe in that too. And they're like, wow, if, if it hasn't hit the mark that we thought it was going to hit, let's make it better rather than that. It just is what it is. They can exactly. It. And one awesome thing about our colleagues, they never settle. They no, never, ever no. settle. And you know, sometimes there might be a timing challenge that where they, yeah. they sometimes will say, yes, we... We know that it's going to be even awesomer in two weeks, but because we have some dependencies right. on getting this one out, yep. we're going to get it out. We're going to satisfy those dependencies and we're going to make sure that other teams can proceed. And then Could a week, right. two weeks down the road, we've got some fast follow features yep. that we're, we're ready to launch and yeah. make that happen. So we insist on those highest standards, but then you have to adjust for reality and, and understand sometimes the, the big picture is, a, is slightly more interesting and complicated than what we understood exactly. originally. And, and and without diving into a whole treatise of Amazon leadership principles, which both of us could do with great passion, <laughs> deliver results is, of course, another leadership principle. So, it really so is. For those of you, counts. Yeah. For those of you following at home, you know that the leadership principles aren't a set of rules. They're a set of filters and they're the way we filter our decisions. So on the one hand, you can say, yeah, insist on the high standards, got to be perfect, but then there's delivery results customers do need this functionality how do we get it to them uh, how do we earn trust about having those conversations how do we prove that we can deliver that's earning trust with our customers it's a it's a pretty fascinating topic they're a great set of principles absolutely now let's get on to what i've decided to call the go west young man jeff bar tour so there, you, there's the name right there <laughs> so you got on a plane except for the young part that does not apply to me. <laughs> no only as young as how you feel and so well, although i'm guessing after 22 hours on a plane to australia you're not feeling that young at the moment <laughs> welcome to my world thank you so you got on a plane yeah the, a few days ago to to start a long journey. Why, why are you in Melbourne and where else are you going and why, why are you going west? All right. So I'm here in Melbourne because I was invited to keynote the AWS Community Day and super awesome time so far. Loved being here. And this is, I think, my second time in this 
convention mm. center, if mm. I'm not mistaken. Did the community day. I've got some video interviews we've done. We've got some press coming up from here on to Sydney. And I had kind of latent in my inbox for quite a while an open invite that said, please come and, and visit the AWS customers in Spain. And while it's not exactly close, I figured I would have some actual <laughs> momentum built up from the from the Seattle LA Melbourne, Sydney journey. I might as well just continue on to Madrid. So we're, uh, my wife's actually along with me. We're doing Madrid, Barcelona, San Sebastian, and Lisbon before wow. getting home on the on the thirteenth. I, so. I need to break it to you, Jeff. There is no universe in which the next logical step from Melbourne or Sydney is Madrid. Like, just it's not a thing. <laughs> very, very true. Now, now I understand that, but um, I'll get to see some new parts. Of the Absolutely, world, so. it'll be a lot, of, lot of fun. Now, now the AWS Community Day here in Melbourne is a, is a really interesting event because it's literally run by the community so it's a it's a bunch of uh, AWS community heroes who have decided we need to get an event to bring people together they've got a lot of people who I want to say at least over a thousand from what I can tell just hearing from each other about what they can do how things work giving a lot of feedback and I know you were having a lot of conversations with developers in particular around their experiences what they want to see more yeah. of what, what were you hearing well we're talking about a lot about this as a learning opportunity and mm-hmm. I, I think I, I've always emphasize learning within my own family and encourage my, my children to continue their education and earn degrees and, and say, okay, you get your degree, that's just the beginning, it's not the end. And it was great to hear from developers and have them just say that they they too are really interested in learning. And they I, part of my message today was that you need to learn something new every day. You, mm. you can't just batch it up and you know, every couple of years I'll learn something new. Great to hear that they're going to commit to doing that and that there's so many different ways they can do it. They can come here to the community day and they can learn. A lot of them said that they love to learn from demo videos, which is actually yeah. a really cool thing to learn. Hopefully yeah. they learn from our, our blog posts and this from is our, architecture, our tutorials. That sort of stuff. Yeah. There, there's a lot of different ways and I, I think everybody has a different learning style mm. and maybe some of them can learn from in more than one way. A lot of them said, you know, I, I study a little bit and I just open up the console or I create some templates and away I go and just try it out. I think AWS really encourages yeah. that and really good to hear. And I often like to try things out first, understand what I don't understand, yeah. and then go and read the documentation and figure out the. <laughs> I go, oh, the that's what I did picture. wrong. Yeah, it, a lot of times, break stuff and then figure it out. Yeah, a lot of times the explanations in, in the docs make more sense only after you've tried it out. And you say, yeah. well, we've got, got one of these and it has a list of these, and then those have a, a set of those attached. Yeah. To me, I'm I like to experience things versus reading about them. Yeah, so I, I try to capture that experience when I'm writing about it. That the the blog post itself is a learning experience. Yes. Yeah. One funny secret when I'm writing blog posts, and I'll, I'll write the title, which is tough, and I write the first couple paragraphs, which are a lot of work, and then at the point when I say, "Let me show you how to use it," that is often the first time that I really opened up the console and mm. used the service, and mm. I I just kind of jump right in like any other customer would and yeah. find my way through it, figure out all the stuff, you know, set it up, use it, and, and just do it and uh, document my way through. I, I don't do a drive run yeah. A to Z and just kind of figure <laughs> out what I should be doing. I just start it and do it and screenshot it along the way. And the, the screenshots in the blog post are of that first time that I tried it yeah. out. Now, yeah. sometimes I'll get most of the way done and the team will, as we discussed, so we're, we, we've got additional drops. <laughs> we're in the changing console. this word. <laughs> yeah. Or, or sometimes it's like, it's just about done, but we have a, a brand new workflow in the console that's better and of course it's better so yeah. that makes it worthwhile to go again. back and fix yeah. it and it just comes with the territory how fast can you take a screenshot like you must be lightning oh no screenshots <laughs> are a ton of work yeah. um, you got to figure that a screenshot's probably 10 to 15 minutes wow. of work wow. from from getting the product to that point mm. where you can take the screenshot and taking it scaling it putting the borders on it making sure to blur any account numbers yeah. or sensitive information or, or personal ip addresses you got to worry about to making sure you didn't have some surprisingly some surprise that you weren't supposed yeah. to share yeah yeah. And then uploading it to S3 and embedding it. So it can take 15 minutes. So this to, sounds to do like, right. so you're telling me that your screenshots could be categorized as 
as small batch artisanal screenshots, like just crafted I would with hope love. So. I would hope so. I, <laughs> I, I, I think that the visual aspects of blog posts are, are really important and getting screenshots nice. And I, I like the borders yeah. to be good. Yeah. And one weird obsession I have is vertical white space. And yeah. I like to make sure that there's good spacing around images. And if we have list items, I think that multi-line list items, mm. the mm. world expects that there should be some white space between yeah. those. And maybe this is because I'm kind of old and my eyes are not good at <laughs> separating things. But list items with multiple, with space between them, yeah. to me, just look a whole lot better than when they're all just jammed together. So agree, agree. Pa- part of my job is now convincing the other bloggers that that's the, that <laughs> this is is the, way the world's best to be, way to yeah. do <laughs> blog posts. So, but, but I think being careful with those visual details is, is ultimately worthwhile. It should Absolutely. look good. And that's one thing I've noticed because yeah, my eyes aren't getting any younger either is the crispness of the screenshots like you notice when you read a blog post of someone guiding you through something where it's not easy to read or easy to interpret or that, they haven't zoomed in it's like those little touches just make it easier to assimilate the information and go and I think a lot of folks use those blog posts to just hey I need to do something oh Jeff wrote a blog post about it I'll just follow the steps and move on with it, my indeed. day indeed and I do get feedback sometimes if you know on posts that are several years old where yeah. the console has gotten better yeah and, yeah. and we, we do face a tough trade off of saying we, we can't be aware of every change and going back and the the blog post represents a point in time yeah and we we generally we give teams a time window i think it's 18 months or two years where if there's a glaring inaccuracy and if we start to get feedback from customers it says they're being led off track mm. yes we'll go mm. and we'll change it but yep. i've got an email on blog posts that are over 10 years old where <laughs> people say the things you link to aren't there anymore and you have to kind of re-explain the way yeah. the internet works sometimes but <laughs> it's not permanent kind of, but it's it, good. it is interesting that, that those old posts continue to draw traffic some of them some of them are still as relevant as well today as they were or, or some of them help with the origin story as well like why why was this made or how did this come about yeah and you know in in light of that one of the things that, that I do is if we do go back and make a change I insist that we actually put a word update at the top and yes. say update and a date and a, a change because it is a yeah, it, it is a historical record in yeah. a sense, and I, I don't want to go back and change history. I, no. I think that that's part of my personal integrity. Is is if, if we went and changed it, well, okay, change it. And, and, and along with trust. that, yeah. sometimes I will misunderstand something. And mm. I'm, I misunderstand lots of stuff. And if I do, I, I'm not too proud to share that. So yeah, I, I think yeah. that's, we're all on the leading edge here. We're all learning something new. Yep. There's no shame in admitting that, that you didn't get how something worked. It's, 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 you know, the, the, I think the only shame is where you don't share the thing you learned after you realized that. And so exactly. that's, that's like, the important part. It would be really easy in this position to pretend like I actually knew everything. And that's, there's, that's just wrong. I yeah. don't know yeah. everything. I, I'm, there, there's one perfect moment in time when I'm I finished the first draft and I've got most of the facts at my disposal a couple hours after that I've moved on to the next thing yeah and you know it's still there in my mind map or my outline but yeah it's already uh, it's already just down the river oh absolutely for sure absolutely for sure it's funny you said decay one of the things I talked about today in my keynote was this idea of a half-life of information Mm. in that you learn something about a service and you have a picture in your head of what the service is and what the features are. But that impression, really, you should set a time to live on it because yeah. every service we have is going to continue to get better. And I, exactly. I use DynamoDB as example that we, we launched it in 2012 with a pretty good feature set mm. at the time. I listed like 50 additional features on my slide only because I, I picked just 50 that would fit on the slide and not too small of a font. Yeah. But you you have to make sure when you say, okay, here's a, a service, this is what it does. Make sure you go back and, and check occasionally Refresh, to see yeah. if 
if it has become better. Because it, it, we do listen to our customers. We do make mm. them better. All and the you, and you in have big to ways, have that. And sometimes it's in big ways and small ways too. Sometimes it's like a little nuance that is not blog worthy for argument's sake. It just you know, it comes out in the what's new. It's like a one line change, but it could manifestly change how you use a service. Yeah. And in addition to what the things that we announce, we're always re-engineering inside to make it yeah. faster and Cheaper. smoother and more reliable. And the customers, some customers notice those like millisecond changes in response time. Mm. Some do, some don't. Mm. Occasionally we share it, but they're the the APIs remain constant. Yep. The stored data always still applies, but many times we're going to take the the initial implementation and say, okay, this this was great at level one. We're now processing millions of requests a day or trillions of requests a day, yeah. which is funny thing. Trillions and quadrillions are now it's common orders of magnitude for a lot of things we do, yeah. and that's that's a different way of thinking for mm. most people. When you start thinking, well, you do a trillion requests a day, a, a one in a billion failure happens a thousand times. So that's a that's a lot of failures. <laughs> yeah, and so, exactly. Part of thinking at world scale is to think, how do you make it so one in a billion is a, an excessively high intolerable failure rate? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting. And I love that you talk about the, the half-life and the time to live and the service user as an example has one of its features as being the TTL capability on the rose. I, I just, <laughs> you've done a beautiful thing there, Jeff. It's, 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 it's masterful. <laughs> now, I want to I be completely selfish here and take advantage of a, a long tradition that Australian TV journalists have always done mm. with American visitors. Okay. You make well, no, I'm not going to make it Australian TV journalists are, are, um, are famous for, as the person, the American visitor, is stepping off the plane, like literally, yeah. you know, the old fashioned <laughs> down the stairs. The first thing I say is, what do you think of Australia? <laughs> <laughs> now, but I know you've been here a couple of days. You've been here before as well. So what? maybe let me ask you this way. What's your favourite thing about Melbourne? Well, it's, it's actually really cold here right now. It was it's, it's chilly. shockingly cold. It's chilly. Um, it's- it's not Seattle cold. So far, it's it's very compact. The, the central area. So we we actually checked in yesterday, and we said, "Where's the downtown?" And our the bellboy pointed out the window, said, "It's just right over You're there." And it. he said, <laughs> "We don't call it the downtown; it's the CBD." Yes, which was good good to know. And it was good to know that we could pretty much reach everything within walking distance. So I'm actually a very devoted walker. Oh. Where, where we live in Seattle, we do our absolute best to never use a car. And so I, I walk back and forth to the office and I can see Melbourne's a, a mm. very walker friendly kind of city as well. So I fully appreciate that. We only like logged like four miles yesterday, oh, but okay. that was just because yeah. we just got here. You need so. to lift your game a bit. Yeah. <laughs> and have you sampled some of the local coffee? I did. We had a flat white. And in fact, just as I was walking into Community Day, someone whose name was Brooke, I think she said her name was, she was the first person to come up and, and take a selfie. And yeah. it was a great way to start the day. And she said, I have to have a flat white. And I was actually already had one. So ah, good. there you go. It was awesome. So you've, you've- I'll have to learn how to make one myself to add to my my repertoire melbourne coffee culture is a big thing i know i know seattleites like to think they know coffee but uh, i think she said that melbourne had the second best coffee oh really i think she was being nice yeah (laughs) (laughs) we can armor us all about that after the episode jeff uh, good luck on the rest of the uh, the go west young man trip thank you simon i will not be young by the end of it but it'll (laughs) it'll have been worthwhile so i I actually i love these trips because i get to meet so many customers Mm. and it's it's so fun just to meet the customers and just hear what they're doing and understand the amount of trust they've placed in us and it's, it's kind of a big deal right they they listen to what we say and they believe what we say and like oh based on what the claimed features are of the service i can do this with my business and it's great to see that they're able to do that and it's something i never forget when i'm writing yeah i'm always thinking about the customers that i've met and when customers say that they enjoy my writing i in the most non-creepy way possible i try to remember those people and that conversation and i think okay now i'm writing another post and it's for this person i met when i was in personal type exactly and i'm if if i met someone they say yeah i love that post um the next one is like i'm i'm writing for them specifically and to to kind of that that is our customer obsession and again i I do it in a very non-creepy way. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just thinking, <laughs> keeping them in mind as, as my audience. And Fantastic. I, I think that helps to just keep my, my standards up. Absolutely. Well, it keeps you accountable, accountable to individuals, Absolutely. which is great. 
Thanks again, Jeff. This has been fun. Always fun. Good to do it face-to-face. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We do love to get your feedback. AWS Podcast at Amazon.com is the place to do that. And until next time, keep on building.